Then Jesus returned from the region of Tyre and went through uh, Sidon to the Sea of Galilee in the region of the Decapolis. They brought to him a man who was deaf and had a speech impediment, and they begged him to lay his hand on him. And taking him aside from the crowd privately, he put his fingers into his ears and after spitting, touched his tongue. And looking up to heaven, he sighed and said to him, Ephrathah, that is, be opened. And his ears were opened, his tongue was released, and he spoke plainly. And Jesus charged them to tell no one. But the more he charged them, the more zealously they proclaimed it. They were astonished beyond measure, saying, He has done all things well. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we thank you for your holy word and the record of your great deeds that were done in history through our Savior Jesus, the Son of God the friend to sinners. And uh, Lord, as his power is displayed in this passage that we just read, uh, we pray that uh, your uh, power would also be at work in us, in our lives, in our hearts, in our minds, that you would make us like our Savior Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, this morning we are uh, looking at another of uh, Jesus' miracles. Uh, you see that there in verse 32 in the passage I just read that says, in the, And they brought to Jesus a man who was deaf and had a speech impediment. So this is a miracle about Jesus enabling a man to hear and to speak. And Jesus' miracles, they always mean something. The Bible says that his, his miracles were signs. They had a symbolic uh, meaning to them. And so what's the meaning of this miracle that we're studying together in Mark 7? Well, it's that when Jesus comes into our lives, he enables us to hear things that we couldn't hear before and to say things that we couldn't say before. Jesus enables us to hear things that we were not able to hear before and to say things that we weren't able to say before. And I think each of us has at least something in our lives that we can't hear. Or maybe you say we aren't willing to hear. Our, our ears are closed to. And I think we also have things that we aren't able to say. And Jesus has a phrase that he repeats pretty frequently in his ministry where he says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Which means just because you have ears and you can hear sound doesn't mean you're willing to hear the words that are coming into your ears. And just because you have a tongue doesn't mean that you're able to speak what is true to the people around you. And some of you uh, know that about times in your life when uh, people have tried to tell you something and you couldn't hear it. You were closed off. Maybe that's you now. Your ears are closed. Um, I've had people tell me that about hearing the gospel. They said, you know, for years I had people close in my life who were telling me about Christ and about the grace of the gospel and the truth of God's word, and I just didn't want to hear it. I I thought it was foolish. There was no way I was going to believe it, and then all of a sudden one day my ears were open. I could hear it, and it made perfect sense. It made sense of my life. It made sense of God. And uh, what changed? 
Or maybe some of you have, have had times in your life where you couldn't speak the truth. The things that needed to be said in your relationships, in your workplace, were never said. Those words could be, I love you. Those words could be, you are sinning, and it needs to stop. Both are things that many people need to say but never do. And hearing and speaking are two of the most important things for any human being to be able to do. You know, for example, if you're married, how much of your marriage is about listening and speaking? Basically, the whole thing is about listening and speaking. And this passage says that the only way that we can be able to truly do those things is by a miracle of Jesus. The Christian life, in some ways, is about learning to hear God. And when we're able to hear God, we're able to hear people as well. And then learning to speak grace and truth to others. That's really much of what the Christian life is about. And so today, I'd like to explain that process of transformation as we see it in this passage by answering two uh, simple questions for us. How does Jesus enable us to hear? And how does Jesus enable us to speak? Two questions for us. How does Jesus enable us to hear? And how does Jesus enable us to speak? Two questions on hearing and speaking. Two of the most fundamental things that humans do. And so the first of the two questions is this. How does Jesus enable us to hear? And I think there are some interesting details uh, from this passage to answer that question. So uh, three answers to that question. How does Jesus enable us to hear? Well, the first answer is that first, he takes us away from the crowd. In order for us to be able to hear, we need to be taken away from the crowd. And part of learning to hear both God and to hear the truth and to hear other people is that we must be taken privately away from the crowd. And here, you know, the, the people of Decapolis, Decapolis was a collection of villages on the east side of the Sea of Galilee. It's a Gentile region. This was, they weren't Jewish people in this region. Uh, and you'll notice that uh, that line about there were the, the, the people from Decapolis had brought this deaf man to Jesus. And you'll notice in verse 33, it's, uh, it describes the place of the healing. And it says, And taking him aside from the crowd privately. Now this passage goes on to explain why Jesus wanted to do this healing in private. It was because... Whenever he did a healing, there were tons of people that came and wanted access to his power. And Jesus did not primarily come to heal people. I mean, it kind of showed who he was. His miracles were signs. But really, he came to make peace between God and human beings. And many people want Jesus' power, but they don't want his life change. They don't want repentance. They don't want to come to really know and hear God. But, you know, there are three other times in the Gospel of Mark where Jesus, there's similar language used, where Jesus takes his disciples away from the crowds. And the reason Jesus takes his disciples away from the crowds is because he wanted to meet with them privately, intimately, and to speak to them and to teach to them and to encourage them. And, you know, I will say, I, I find it so remarkable, the individual care that Jesus has for each one of us. He has individual things that he needs to say. To, all of our lives are different. All of our sins are different. All of our family histories that we've been through are all different. He has individual things that he wants to hear from us and he wants to say to us. And, you know, when I first became a Christian, this is one of the things that was so surprising to me. I'd, I'd never been to church. I, didn't, I knew zero about the Bible. I was a teenager. I was living a godless life, and yet I needed God's help. And so I just said, Lord, will you help me? I'm just going to trust that you're going to help me. And it was amazing to me 
that he actually paid attention to me as an individual. He cared about me as an individual, not just the general course of people. And, um, you know, I was talking to my wife uh, about this sermon uh, just last night, and, and she made the point that, that many of us actually don't want to go and meet privately with Jesus. Some of you feel that. You know, when I'm alone, there's all kinds of thoughts that start coming up out of my heart. And I'm not sure if they're thoughts that I want to deal with or I want to think about or even acknowledge that they're there. Those are the very things that Jesus wants to address and speak to us about in our lives. And they don't come out until we're away from the crowds. And so we have to ask, who are the crowds in our culture? Now, in one degree, it's just you've got to get away from people. I mean, there is some sense to be alone with God. But, you know, we also have social media as a huge crowd that is constantly, even when we're alone, it's a crowd that's constantly around us. Twitter is a crowd that makes so much noise, so many demands on these are the things that are important for you to think about in your life. And every day it's a new, urgent thing that we need to be thinking about and having an opinion about. And the Bible is not talking about the same things that our culture is talking about. If you want to have truly deep and beautiful insights about God and humanity and culture and life, you have to get away from the crowds of the world. And my experience is that, you know, quietly reading the Bible, observing the strange details, the Bible's always saying things that we didn't expect it to say. You find when you can listen to the Bible, I find that you can also listen to people better. Because, you know, we so much, we listen to, you know, people, we kind of put them in a box. You meet someone, I mean, I do this all the time. You meet someone and you're like, oh, I think they're like this. And then you get into a conversation, you're like, you're totally different than I thought you were. And it's not until you hear the details and realities of their life that you find out who they are. And, and so I think listening to the Bible and listening to people, uh, people in the Bible are both strange and complex and surprising. So first, how does Jesus enable us to hear? First, he takes us away from the crowds. Second, he connects us to his body. How does Jesus enable us to hear? He connects us to his body. And you see that second phrase in verse 33 where it says, And taking him aside from the crowd privately, he put his fingers into his ears. Touches, puts his fingers in the man's ears. Now, the way that Jesus does healings is very strange in the Bible because there's no formula for it. Sometimes he'll just speak and say, be healed, and they're healed. And then sometimes he's not even with the person. You know, uh, we saw that uh, last week, and uh, the woman uh, uh, who had a demon-possessed daughter, the daughter's somewhere else, and he says, and she's set free. He just healed her from a distance. And And then sometimes he touches the people. And, uh, and the physicality of this healing is important. Why is Jesus' touch, the connection to his body, important? Well, one thought I had about this is, you know, why don't we listen? Why can't we hear things that God says to us or people say to us? Why are we closed off? And often it's, it's self-protection. You know, I'm afraid God's going to tell me to do something I don't want to do. Or someone else is going to tell me to do something that I don't want to do. And it's self-protection. We close ourselves off. And so in order to be able to hear, we have to be disarmed. And the intimate touch of Jesus is disarming to us. The intimate touch of Jesus. And you might say, well, you know, how do we experience connection to Jesus' body now? You know, his body is in heaven. Well, uh, you know, Christians historically have said that there is a threefold body of Christ in the Bible. You know, there's Jesus' literal body, the body that 
walked on the earth and was crucified and rose from the dead. And that body is now ascended into heaven, is seated at the right hand of, of the Father in heaven. But then there's also the body of Christ, which is the church, the community. That's who we are. And then, of course, there's the sacrament where Jesus says about this bread here, this is my body. And they're all connected. So how does Jesus connect us to his body now? It's through the church and through the sacrament. It's in the intimacy of this community and the intimacy of this meal that we are disarmed and able to listen and to hear, maybe to things that we don't want to hear. Uh, And by the way, you know, this is what you're doing right now. You've come to the community of the body of Christ, and you're listening. You know, I'm always so impressed about a sermon. You all just have to sit there and listen. You don't get to talk. (laughs) And you have to hear what God is saying and, and say and just receive it. This is a training and listening in the body of Christ that God is doing right now. So how does Jesus enable us to hear? He takes us away from the crowds. He connects us with his body. But the third thing that we see in this passage is that he speaks to us with power. The way we're enabled to hear is that Jesus speaks to us with power. And you see the moment of healing right there in verse 34, where it says, And looking up to heaven, he sighed and said to him, Ephratha, that is, be opened. And I think this phrase is fascinating. I, I was trying to figure out how to explain why this is strange. You know, be opened. This is a command. Jesus is making a command that the man can't do. <laughs> be open. This is his very problem. He can't open his ears. His, his ears can't hear. And yet he's being commanded to do something that he can't do. And, uh, and, and it's not that Jesus is saying... You know, go and start listening. You need to be a better listener. Here's my instructions here. Here's my law for you. And you all need to go out and be better listeners. That's not what he says. He says, be opened. And something happened. The words are changing the man. And, you know, it's very much like when a parent says to their child, I love you. Saying I love you is not just giving information. Hey, I'm telling you something about my emotional state right now that it has love for you. No. When you say to a child, I love you, you are you are loving them. You are infusing them with security and assurance and joy. The words are doing something and have power. And that's what's so amazing that every you know, week when you come here and God speaks over you and he says, be opened. It's not just a command for you to go listen. He's saying, I am opening you up with my words right now, and I'm making you a new kind of person with my words and with my power. And that's why it's so important for us to be here. That's why it's so important for us to hear God's word is because it's his word of power that actually transforms us and heals us. He makes us into who he has commanded us to be. It's an incredible uh, aspect of grace. You cannot obey God's commands on your own strength any more than this man could obey the command, be opened. And our hope is that his word has power and we become who his word declares that we are. So when Jesus comes into our life, one of the key things that happens is he enables us to hear things that we were never able to hear before. 
And how does he do that? He does that by taking us away from the crowds, the crowds of the world, the crowds even of social media and Twitter, the crowds of our families and their expectations, the crowds of our friends and their opinions. He takes us away from those crowds to speak to us individually. And by connecting us to his body, he disarms us. And then he speaks words of power over us where he makes us into the very thing he commands us to be. But Jesus doesn't just enable this man to hear. He also enables this man to speak. And so that's our second question, is how does Jesus enable us to speak? How does Jesus enable us to speak? And I think that's an amazing thing about Jesus' work in our lives. He gives us a voice. Jesus gives us a voice. We are not able to speak. And the Bible says that God's great power comes through words, through his speaking. You know, how, that's, it says that that's how God made the universe, is through speaking. And when Christ comes into our lives, we too begin to speak with power. And uh, that might be meaningful to you in various ways. I know for me, you know, when my wife and I were first dating, we were teenagers, I, I didn't speak very much. I, she would bring me to hang out with her friends who I didn't know very well, and I would literally not say a word the whole evening. And she's like, you know, why don't you say something so they can get to know you? And I was just kind of terrified and didn't know what to say. And of course, you know, Jesus has helped me to have words. Now I'm a pastor, I probably have too many words. And, uh, but I think this is much more meaningful than learning to be more social. For any of you who've had a, a history of abuse in your childhood, a very common experience is people say, I didn't have a voice. To be able to speak the truth is an incredibly important power that God intends for all of his children to have. I want to say that again. To be able to speak the truth is an incredibly important power that God intends for all of his children to have. And for many of us, you know, when we first learn to have a voice, maybe you've experienced this. You haven't had a voice, and you're going to try to have a voice. It's kind of like being born. And when a baby comes out into the world, they start hollering. And, uh, and, and they need to learn to control and use that voice with care. And maybe you felt that way. I didn't have a voice. And then I started using my voice, and it was too much of a voice. So I stopped using my voice again. It's a great joy to know that Jesus is discipling us to both give us a voice and train us to use our voice. And what a gift that when you come to Jesus, he will not only enable you to hear what God is saying to you, but enable you to speak. And so how does he do that in this passage? Well, again, I want to give three answers to that, okay? How does Jesus enable us to speak? First, he anoints our tongues with his spirit. Jesus anoints our tongues with his spirit. And again, you see in verse 33, it says, and taking him aside from the crowd privately, he put his fingers into his ears and after spitting, touched his tongue. Again, a strange action from Jesus. You know, you're not going to forget this. He's very memorable in the things that he does. Uh, but spit is made of water. And water in the Bible is often associated with the Holy Spirit. You know, at the creation, there was, the waters covered the earth and the Spirit was hovering over the waters. Or when Jesus was baptized... He was baptized in the, in the, uh, at the Jordan River, and the Spirit descended upon him. And throughout the book of Acts, the waters of baptism and the Holy Spirit are tied together in some mysterious way. And then Jesus says that whoever comes to him, whoever's thirsty and drinks from the waters that he will give, out of them will flow rivers 
of living water. So water and the Spirit are deeply tied together. And one of the great promises of the New Testament is that when you believe in Jesus, you are given the Holy Spirit who gives you a voice and gives you a mouth. And Jesus talked to his disciples about this. You know, his disciples would go out and they were going to be in many intimidating situations. He says, you're going to be standing before civil magistrates and they're going to be questioning you. They're going to be beating you up, you know, persecuting you and before religious authorities. And this is what he says to them. When they deliver you over, do not be anxious how you are to speak or what you are to say. For what you are to say will be given to you in that hour. For it is not you who speak but the spirit of your father speaking through you. A tremendous promise. It's not you who speaks. And some of you know that experience where you go into a difficult conversation maybe and you pray, Lord, just help me. I need to, I need to be gracious and speak words of love. I need to say challenging words that are hard for me to say and hard for a person. How do I do both of those things Lord, give me your spirit to give me the words. And you've experienced that where God put words in your mouth. Or maybe, you know, it's frequent where someone's sharing their faith with someone. And I know this has happened where I've had thoughts that I've literally never had before. And in the moment, they just come. And you're like, I've never thought that before. And then it just came out of my mouth. How did that happen? It's the Holy Spirit has anointed our tongues. And uh, if you don't feel that you have a voice, the Bible tells you what to do. You must ask for the Holy Spirit. Luke 11, Jesus says, If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And how many of us bypass this? Do you really ask? I mean, speaking such a huge part of our lives. And to say, Lord... I need you to put words in my mouth. And what do you think your father is going to say when you pray to him? I want your spirit to be guiding my words that I say. Do you really think the father's going to be like, no, I'm not, I'm not interested in that prayer. I'm not going to help you with that. Uh, yes, of course, if anything that he wants, he wants our words shaped by his spirit. And so if you have a problem with your mouth, ask Jesus for the spirit. So how does Jesus enable us to speak? First, he anoints our tongues with the Holy Spirit. The second thing we see in this passage is he sets us free from spiritual bondage. He sets us free from spiritual bondage. That's how he enables us to speak. And it's, it's very subtle in this passage, but you see in verse 35 there it says, and his ears were opened, his tongue was released, and he spoke plainly. And so if this man's tongue was released, it means his tongue had been bound. Uh, And it wasn't bound with ropes or something physical. He was spiritually bound. So the language of being released suggests that there was a spiritual component to this healing. Now, this is something I've said before, but I think it's worth repeating, that the Bible's views of healing are are very nuanced. You know, the Bible does not say that all um, disabilities or maladies are demon possession. You know, sometimes Jesus heals someone. It's just a physical thing that they need healed. Sometimes it's a, it, there is a, there's a demon exorcism that Jesus does. Um, even here, a demon's not mentioned. But it does seem that there was some spiritual component to his speech impediment. His tongue was bound, was imprisoned, and needed to be set free. And, you know, some of you might feel like, my tongue is bound. 
And it's not physically bound. And, you know, I've talked to people who've said, you know, it's hard for me to speak about my love for people, the affection that I have for people in my life. And I know I need to say it, but it just doesn't come out. It's like my mouth can't say it. Am I saying that if you can't say I love you, you have a demon? No. But I am saying it is a spiritual problem. It's not just a physical problem. It's a spiritual problem. Or on the other side, if you can't be honest with people, if you can't be honest with your family or your church or your coworkers, you can't say what needs to be said. That is a spiritual problem. And what do you do about that? Well, we've already said that you need to pray for the Holy Spirit. But also, you know, in this passage, it's this man's community who brings him to Jesus. And which means that if those are problems for you, you need other people to pray for you and bring you uh, to Jesus. And the only way they're going to know to do that is if you've told them about the problem. And, you know, in our church, there are all, you know, is in your home group. Does your home group know that these spiritual problems you need prayer for so they can help you or your discipleship group or your elder or your pastors? Do they know so that they can pray for you and help you with those things? And I really want to emphasize why prayer is so important. Don't just bypass prayer of like, oh, yeah, sure, that's what we always say. Yeah, you got to pray for it. Look at Jesus even needed to pray. Verse 34, and Jesus looked up to heaven. He was praying about this. If Jesus is praying about it, we need to pray about it. Okay, so how does Jesus enable us to speak? He anoints us with the Holy Spirit. He sets us free from spiritual bonds. But the last thing we see in this passage is that he ordains us as priests. He ordains us as priests. And I think this is important. You know, why does Jesus want us to be able to listen and speak well? Because you and I have a calling. We are called a royal priesthood in the Bible. Priests listen to God. Priests listen to people about the things they're facing in their life. Priests speak God's word of grace and truth into other people's lives. They speak his word. And that's what all of us are. And you might say, well, where do you see that in this text? Well, it struck me in verse 32 there where it says, and they brought to him a man who was deaf and had a speech impediment, and they begged him to lay his hand on him. And the laying on of hands is an important uh, action throughout the Bible. You know, earlier in the Old Testament, there was a sacrificial system where uh, worshipers would bring animals to to the tabernacle or the temple, and what they would do is they would lay their hands on the animal, and then the animal would, like, die in their place. It was dying for their sins. And so the laying on of hands is the way that you identify yourself with something. And uh, and this same action is used for ordination in the New Testament. Actually, if you, next week, uh, Sean Morton is going to be ordained as a ruling elder in our church. And he's going to have hands laid upon him. And he now becomes a representative of Christ in our church and in our community. And so when Jesus lays his hands on a person, they are being identified with him. When Jesus enables you to hear and speak, he is making you his representative in the world. Jesus is a high priest, and you are his sub-priests that he's going to send out from here, wherever you work or whatever neighborhood you're in or whatever family you're in, you're the little priest that he's sending out there who listens 
and listens to God and asks the Holy Spirit for the right words to speak into people's lives. He has ordained you to listen carefully and to speak carefully and above all to speak about him. And of course, that's what happens in this passage. You see in verse 36, after this healing, it says, and Jesus charged them to tell no one, but the more he charged them, the more zealously they proclaimed it. And they were astonished beyond measure, saying, he has done all things well. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. And so this man and his friends go out and they tell everyone about the goodness of Jesus. They're priests. That's what they've become. This calling is not something that you and I do in our own power. It is Jesus who enables you to be a hearer by taking you away privately from the noise of the crowds and connecting you to his body and speaking over you words of power. And he also makes you a person with a voice by anointing your tongue with the Holy Spirit and setting us free from the mysterious spiritual powers that bind our tongues. And through all this, he ordains us as priests. Our lives have purpose and calling. And at the heart of that calling is listening and speaking. And so may he make us a whole community of hearers and speakers that go out from, from here for his glory. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, uh, we thank you for this uh, strange story of our Savior's spit and his fingers in a man's ear. And yet what transformation we see. And we pray that that same power that transformed this man's life would be at work transforming our lives, Lord. That we would be people who can hear you, are willing to hear you. People who can hear others and listen to others. And people who speak with power the words of grace and truth in Christ. In his name we pray. Amen.